This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Chelsea right now are a better project than, LF, um, than Liverpool at the moment, in my debatable, opinion. Debatable, yeah. Neymar is almost like the, the ugly stepsister, like the bridesmaid. Forever the bridesmaid, never the bride. Messi came to PSG and won a Ballon d'Or with him at PSG. <laughs> Injuries as well, isn't it? It's the, killed him. The sure. but, you know the, what? The, it always around February. Not even only that. In the olden day or the days back in the day, olden day makes it sound like Harry. In the in the past, I say Game of Thrones or something. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Ripple Effect. Word of the week. I'm going to get straight into it this time because I feel like I let down Kai, who writes these beautiful intros for me. First of all, word of the week, debut. A person's first appearance or performance in a particular capacity or role, which actually, yeah, leads me mm. on to my guest, Kaz. Well done. Great mm. work. You're, you're a facilitator. <laughs> like yeah, I'm like a it, playmaker, man. man. That's it, man. I saw it blew my mind the other <laughs> week. He came on for your debut. He threw the ball back to me. He gave me a question. Can I ask a question? I loved it. Kaz is back and making his debut is Liez. Liez, mate. Excited to actually sit down and have a proper chat about the football with you. How are you, man? Nah, I'm good, man. First of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, we already spoke after the SDS show. Like, yeah. I'm a big fan of what you do, so it's my pleasure to be on this podcast. And, Amazing, of course, man. this guy follows me wherever I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were holding hands as they walked away. <laughs> right. Uh, so the opening weekend of the Premier League is always the most built-up, hyped, and provocative game of the season. This can often be down to people trying to reaffirm their predictions prior to the first kick of a ball. But a new season always brings one thing, the unknown. Nobody can be sure of anything which makes the tiniest of actions feel almost season-defining at the start of any Premier League season. One thing is for sure, though, and it will never change. A new football season brings new ambitions, new hopes, and most importantly, new players and managers. Therefore, we're going to be talking about all of the above and why the heat is turned up to the max this season. Some will cook. Some will get burnt. <laughs> Find out who in this week's Ripple Effect. Well done, Kai. Good stuff. Uh, guys, if you are new to the podcast, if you are listening for the first time, we did a great episode talking about the transfer window yes. with my boy Kweku uh, a couple of weeks ago. But one thing that we're really proud of when it comes to the pod is how kind of broad it is and how there's so much space to go wherever you guys want to. Uh, and that will occur, I'm sure, in this one, uh, but also in all the previous episodes as well. So they're all quite evergreen. So go and enjoy the other podcasts that are there. And if you do enjoy them by the end of all of that, then do me a favor and follow the podcast on Spotify. There's a lot of talk about the chart positions these days. Mm. And, and we need to keep battling in there as well. So if you do enjoy the podcast, do me a favor, give us a five-star uh, rating and follow. Right. In terms of predictions burning to the ground maybe let's go there first because i was saying it to you Kaz, before we just got started i i'm getting to the point where i was so pleased for the start of the season for the main reason that i don't need to predict anything anymore so much content over the last two weeks just like saying this will definitely happen and mm-hmm. that's just not me at mm. all and you just know as soon as the season starts There'll be like two or three that you might have got right. And yeah. actually, with the channel, we often like to kind of go back and, and sort of figure out what we got right got wrong. And I think there are some threads with a lot of teams. But in terms of your sort of predictions right off the bat, and we're like days after it started <laughs> and you've given those predictions, <laughs> is there any that you're feeling a bit stung by? Yes. Already, man. I mean, I had to go on and give my whole basically top 20. Goal score, assist, everything. You got to put your rep on the line. But And you're getting that role now. Like, I kind of get it as well, and I'm, I do not want it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They look at me, they're like, oh, what's going to happen? And everything <laughs> is basically godsend at this point. Nah, the, the one that I... It took me 10 minutes, to be honest, watching their game. And I think it was the easy answer to kind of put them where I put them. But I think we're doing them a discredit because most people have them in this position. That's Newcastle. I think a lot of people kind of just assumed of Newcastle that 
oh, Champions League football now. There's going to be a, a fall off. They're not the, the beautiful name like Chelsea, Liverpool, United. Everyone has them sixth, seventh, perhaps I've even eighth. Yeah, perhaps even I, eighth. I'm sticking with that for now. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. lie. It took me 10 minutes to look at them yeah. against Villa and say, yo, we did them in the service. Because yeah. this team right here has energy. They have bite. They have technicians. They have young stars. And Eddie Howe is just proving season after season after season. This guy is one of the finest managers in, in, in football at this moment. I definitely got the ick, like went watching the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And Tonali, I was like, that's what I love Class. as well. Is You know, we, we're all talking on Twitter, you know, saying, have they overpaid or not for mm. Tonali? And then, but with all of these things, and like, I think we saw it with Habits as well, which we can talk about. Mm. We don't know the plan that Eddie Howe or Mikel Arteta has for their team no. yet. Mm. Like, it's their team. And, and we spoke about this last time you came on, about how the managers are have such control over what their team does, how they play, the passing patterns and mm-hmm. things like that, and the, the movement as well. And I'm I'm going to stick with my eighth for now for Newcastle, mm-hmm. only because Villa were just off, yeah, like massively off. And the way they defended, it just didn't really work for me at all. Like initially kind of soaking up uh, Newcastle at St. James's, which is kind of dangerous because you're going to get the crowd going. Mm. And then the second half where they seem to have a like, much higher line and that seemed to hurt them as well. So it di- the thing I do keep coming back to with Newcastle is it's not about like ceiling or that that watermark of what you can reach for. It's like it's durability mm. like, and it's sustaining it and and understanding like how having to deal with all of these games. I just I do I do still think the Champions League will play a part in some way because because mm-hmm. it, it's exciting. It's the new exciting shiny thing for for Newcastle. Definitely. That said, that I mean. They have got a really nice balance of, and we're going to do a second podcast when we're talking about Man United and an impactful <laughs> 11, which again is really broad and I think will be really interesting. But you were talking about not having good right backs. Yeah. And we'll get to that. And we'll, t- and we'll talk about obviously that pick and that 11. But what one thing Man United did really well in terms of their squad was they kind of had their guys and then they had the other guys that mm-hmm. were, would allow what Fergie said was that you need eight players playing at their best and mm. then you'll be able to kind of get Carry yourself the over rest. the line. Yeah. Do you think that still exists? Because I think when we're looking at, and we're obviously going to talk about Caicedo, we're going to talk about Liverpool's squad, mm-hmm. everyone's squad. Do you think that is the case anymore? Because um, I think in terms of drop-off, it's that's something that probably Newcastle still kind of yeah. has overall and it's, mm. it's a danger, right? Yeah, I think... You know, especially because we're in a system era and everybody is specific to the system. In the olden day, or the days back in the day, <laughs> olden day <laughs> makes it sound like Harry. Seem panic, that, seem panic. Yeah, I mean, seem in the in the in the in the past, I say, in it's the okay. past, I'm old. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but olden days, it sounds like I don't even know the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Game Someone of, out. That's so funny. Game of Thrones or something. But Hang on, what, no, so what are you suggesting? No, is the no, that, no, say it. Say it. With I'm going to say maybe like ten years ago, yeah. ah. twenty years ago. You know what I mean? But yeah, in the past, as you mentioned, I feel like players were able to take control of situations a lot more. So mm-hmm. if you do have nine players playing well and you've got two that are playing poor, they'll get carried. You know what I mean? And often there's leaders, you know what I mean? There's leaders sure. on the pitch that will drag them through. We're both Man United fans. How many times did we used to see players get dragged through games and we had such personalities, such characters? But I think now it's a little bit different. As you mentioned, the managers are in control. So if you are watching a, a starting eleven and... I don't want to say anyone's name, but let's just say there's a player that's not delivering at a certain level. It will actually have an advert, a big adverse effect on everything because mm-hmm. it's such a system-based thing. You need to do this in this zone. Now there's mm-hmm. zone one to, is it 14 yeah, now yeah, yeah. on a pitch? If you're not doing what you need to do in zone seven, six and eight, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it, you have a massive effect on what the right back needs to do. Or if I'm a centre midfielder and I'm not doing what I need to do in on the right half space, I'm now affecting my right back. I'm now affecting my right winger. I'm affecting my left. It's so much different now. So I feel like one player can actually have a massive effect now on your whole team. Not not as much in the past. Can one player provide the opposite though now? Like are we, you know, we talk about these systems and, and it is, you are feeling like, before you used to used to think of the three key players in a team and, and they could, you know, Zidane, even you know, 2006 could still go and do it mm-hmm. on his own. Can can a team be dragged by one player? Like, let's forget Messi for a second. Mm. Like, can especially in the Premier League when 
teams are so drilled. And also the other thing, there's a huge ripple effect, I think, from having five substitutes as yeah, well. Yeah, true. Because you will use them and you should use them. Yeah. And actually, for in terms of the overall rotation, in terms of minutes of your squad, that will change it mm. all as well. Like just having that 11 and playing them week in, week out is going to kind of get you in trouble. But mm. could, do you think a team, is there a team in this league that can get dragged by one player? Yeah, it's tough to uh, say, to be honest uh, with you. Can you think of one? If so, I think, who? I think I think the only one you right? can chuck. Let's let's yeah, chuck. Let, some I'm going to yeah. chuck some names, but I think if you're looking at the three best players in the Premier League, right? I'm um, Salah, the KDB, and Haaland. Yeah, I'd probably say yeah. Those three. are the three best players in the Premier League. You yeah. would say. I think, even though they both they all do individually great things, we saw Salah do an individually great mm-hmm. ball to uh, Luis Diaz. We saw um, Haaland just put Burnley to bed. You know True. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. As much as he's a player that relies on service, as they say. He went. He has made City not have to play well anymore. He they don't have to play well anymore. Ha- yeah. Just Haaland's gonna score you goal. Burnley, I thought it was decent. Haaland bomb. Haaland bomb. I was yeah, like, oh, true, true. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is this is it. You know what I mean? So I think you still have some players that can elevate you to a certain level. Benzema, for example, yeah. a few years back of Real. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's in the manner again of yeah. how we used to see it Agreed. certain ways in the past. Henri will pick up the ball, run past three, four. Hazard will pick up the ball. I'm thinking even Payet at West Ham a few years exactly. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a lot more, um, again, yes, it is a lot more down to service and tactics because Salah's great. But at the same time, there's enough times you watch Liverpool and you're like, where's Mo Salah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, where's KDB? Where's it? But then they'll bring that magic. So it depends how you mean by drag by I one. Agree. But those are the most impactful players in the Prem. I think those are, those are the three to discuss. Uh, I would also say that uh, do you know what one name popped into my head that I think is going to be so important is Madison. Yeah, this yeah. Year. that's that's always one name I was thinking of when you talk about player that can really impact and drive a team. Mm. Leicester last season, Madison had that spell right before the World Cup where yeah. he was kind of looking like that old school number 10 that everything goes through him. But yeah. it goes back to what I always say, to be honest with you. I look at the modern game and my biggest gripe with it as, as a, a fan, forget about United, but just as a fan of the game, individualism for me is something that is being sacrificed more and more and more for structure and organization mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole yeah, or whatever yeah, that yeah. expression is. You, you don't really see these players that entire systems kind of rely on because the, the fact is, if that player has a bad game, your team kind of falls off and... That's really the way I see the game going today. Yeah. And and yeah, again, with those three, I think for me, it's De Bruyne maybe a year, maybe two years ago, let's say. Yeah. For him, it's his legs. You've probably not got that anymore. Haaland, <laughs> for me, is more is just still his a punisher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Salah, I think, Salah's getting hurt a little bit sometimes by just being out there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he can't, he doesn't seem to be able to play in that sort of yeah. central area. Yeah. But at the same time, that is where the space is these mm-hmm. days. Like yeah. You can see that that's what teams are trying to do to try and find the space because everyone's so fit, everyone's so organised. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. I do uh, think Rashford carried us last season though in certain uh, areas. Bruno certain maybe a couple of years before. You know, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you look at like, obviously he's left now, but think about what Zaha, Zaha uh, yeah. was doing. Grealish a few years back for Villa was Jack the perfect Grealish. one. Yeah, yeah you, get the, hey, you, do, few, you do get the odd few, but I just think now when you're looking at it, it's still much more of a mm. system over an individual is going to carry. I'm 100%. looking at around the Premier League, I'm trying to think, I can't, I can't think of a maybe an Eze, an Eze, but even him, like you have a guy like Olise helping him out, Zaha yeah. last season. For how long? Yeah, it's right. Right. And then the big managers they come in and snipe them, and they become rotation players at their yeah. team. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. hard. Yeah. So Liverpool's failed move for Caicedo will mean that Klopp and Salah leave at the end of the season. We have a rule here on the Ripple <laughs> Effect that uh, you can say, "I'm not having it." It's absolutely fine. That's that's okay. <laughs> that's you know that's your you have that ability to do that. But let me read it through just a little bit longer and see if this is actually something that that could occur because of this Caicedo miss. Uh, Liverpool's failed move for Caicedo has also meant that Lavia will now uh, also somehow go to Chelsea, which we have to talk about. Uh, It's fair to assume that Liverpool dropping interest in Lavia in pursuit of Caicedo may have put Lavia off a move to Liverpool with the antics that went on. From a Liverpool perspective, they have shot themselves in the foot because they now have showed everyone in the league that they have over £100 million Mm -hmm. left to spend this window. Got a little hype man here in (laughs) 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 camp. Kip! Meaning that teams will now jack up the transfer fee of anyone they're interested in. This could mean that they fail to get a DM this season. Again, we need to talk about that. Actually, I'm going to stop here. There's too much to talk about. Right. So, Caicedo going to Chelsea, Lavia going to Chelsea, uh, Liverpool having a nightmare here in terms of really kind of understanding what you want and need 
and going and getting that guy. I, I wonder if there is there anything in that. Um, are you Canadian or American or Iranian or where are you? Where, where's this accent coming from? Depends who who's asking. Depends, Depends who's asking, asking nah, man. Nah, so I'm born in Canada. Lived okay. there for a bit. Okay. Moved to New York. Lived there for a bit. Amazing. And my parents are Algerian. Algerian. Yeah, Apologies. Yeah. I remember yeah, you saying true. Iranian once yeah. on a video. Yeah. Depends, like I said, who, depends who's asking. Right, okay. <laughs> so in terms of that uh, uh, American uh, element of it, mm. it and recruiting, yeah. like what's kind of occurred here? There's two things. We can talk about the sort of Chelsea system in terms of going and recruiting all these and stockpiling all these like youngsters. But also the kind of the sort of soft skills of wooing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's been the biggest mistake from from Liverpool here. Like in American sports, that that wooing's quite important, oh, def- right? Yeah, definitely. So what are what are the keys to sort of to the, to the wooing? I mean, look, there's a lot of things that kind of go into it. First of all, whatever anyone wants to say about pull Money always is involved in pull. I see a lot of people on Twitter these days saying, oh, you don't have more pull than us, you just have more money. Well, the, the money is a, money a huge is attraction, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can't get away from that. But it's also uh, a style of life that you can offer. It's also, I would say, to roll in, in the in the franchise, not just in this current moment, but down the line, because people don't sign for one manager, they sign for a, a project. I think all of that stuff kind of comes into play. But the thing with Liverpool, right? Not even to take the name of your show, but the, you talk about ripple effect. This it, is like this is <laughs> years in, in the works, in my opinion. People will talk about Liverpool right now, but I go back all the way to when they were competing in the Champions League final against Spurs. They were at the top of the world. They were getting 99 points in the league or whatever. And rather than from what we've seen of Guardiola, Ferguson in the past, kind of maintain their position at the top and replace players even before they showed signs of decline, they kind of stuck with them and. The reality was, is Fabinho, Henderson, Vinaldon the season before, they should have been let go a long time ago. So now you're kind of stuck trying to, to fix the problems that you had a few years ago while also trying to build a team for the future where that should have been done three years ago. So now in one summer, you're trying to replace Fabinho, Henderson while also buying young players. And I think that has to be done through a three, four-year process. And I think when you're a player as well too, if I'm Moises Caicedo and I look at the uncertainty around Liverpool in that regard, and we talk about poll and you talk about recruitment, that worries me. You've got yeah. to stay on top of the desperation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that is that's the problem here yeah. now, and that's what's funny is like, you know, everyone's kind of saying that Liverpool are a mess, and it, it is a mess, right? But Liverpool were best in class like a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and right? everything, by the way, huh? not just on the pitch, even the in terms of how they recruited arise. Michael yeah. Edwards, that whole thing. Every club on the planet were looking at Liverpool and saying, "This is the blueprint. This is how you do it." it but why? But, but why were they the best in class? The reason they were best in class because it was done. It was done quick. Mm-hmm. It was done early. Yes, mm-hmm. and that that's the massive problem here. And so changes in uh, you know sporting directors that that's one thing, but you still should have a board in an office somewhere. Yeah. Like we've all seen all or yeah. nothing. Eddie's got his board <laughs> and you have the players that you want. And if that guy's gone, there should be three, four players ready to go. Mm-hmm. And it should all be done discreetly. I think yeah. there's a few ripple effects here, like when it comes to the Caicedo thing as well, is the fact that we all know about this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like that that's something where I wonder if there could be a case where look, there's so many kind of sources that get um, you know, that come and some are I heard a story last week about someone who someone who quite high profile who has a source and and Kai Sado's definitely mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. to uh to Liverpool and we found out that the source was a waiter at an uh, a restaurant in Brighton <laughs> right so like we got to be kind of careful with all this stuff yeah. but for for the Ornsteins and the Romanos who are news now mm-hmm. and because they do seem to be bang on most of the time yeah you got to be careful with what gets out because yeah. this is this has stung them so badly, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's it's very unlike Liverpool. And and you know what? The most unlikely thing was that Klopp actually spoke about it in a presser. Yeah. And you know, listen, even when Ten Hag, when Hoyland was basically on his way, oh, we're not going to talk about. It. I'm not going to talk about player, another player. Yeah. That's just a, that's a standard now for Safe managers, life right? Yourself, man. Klopp just come out like, yeah, you know, we'll see, you know, it's, it's been agreed. And I was just like, wow, like, I was surprised to see him talk about it so directly. So when I when I saw that, I thought, okay, the deal is definitely going to happen. But I actually don't think that the Caicedo thing is the big L for Liverpool. It's, it's, the, it's the Labia yeah, yeah. situation because the I way agree. that was uh, handled is oh, sorry, incredible. On. Listen. Uh, so it, you're, not, you're not saying Lavia's better than Caicedo? No, 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 no. Okay. Caicedo is the better player at this, at this present moment. But what I mean is like... I felt like Casado was was a Chelsea saga all summer. Yeah, right. it, it was always looking like he's going to go Chelsea. Liverpool mm. just popped out from. I literally was up at like two a.m. and I just see Liverpool made a hundred. It, it was a massive gamble. Ten too, million yeah. pound bid. I was yeah, like, yeah. wait, wait, hold on. Where did this come from? So I get the the quick euphoria feeling, the adrenaline rush, but then it kind of got 
ended very quickly. Lavia to Liverpool was basically the equivalent of Caicedo to Chelsea all summer. Yeah. We were thinking that Lavia is going to be a Liverpool player 100%. And then they want 50 million. You bid 46 million. Don't get that offer. The next day, you turn around and put 110 million on Moise Caicedo. Don't get him. Yeah. Yeah. Then go back to Lavia and be like, hey, brother. And they please. said 48 million. Yeah. They didn't even offer 50 yeah, exactly. again. And <laughs> confirm it in that press conference. Yeah, like exactly. And then they put 60 million for Lavia now. And then Lavia now has a decision Chelsea or Liverpool. Mm. And a lot of people are talking about that. Um, look, I'm, I don't want to. Somebody read a tweet, right? There's a tweet that says, on a serious note, whoever advises. Lavia should be sacked immediately. I honestly can't believe he rejected the opportunity to work for Klopp in a team where he'd walk right into the midfield, not to mention the quality around him. Instead, he chose money in the bench. And shocking decision. And I, I'm like, firstly, I think Poch has a great track record with young players, yeah, arguably definitely. better than Klopp's. Definitely. And Chelsea right now are a better project than, LF, um, than Liverpool at the moment, in my the beard, opinion. The beard blue, yeah. Yeah. Ambitious owners. I agree, very with young. I agree with the bulk of that tweet, by the way. Do you? I, I, I disagree. I, I disagree with it. That's football snobbery. At that's football speakers. snobbery because yeah, yeah. why is it? Why is it? Why is it a, a money decision? When if I'm Lavia, the first thing oh, I'm sorry, saying. Oh, sorry. No, I, I, go, go on. You finish. But the, uh, um, yeah, the first thing I'm saying if I'm Lavia yeah. is. What would have happened if Caicedo joined the club? Yeah, thanks. You, if you ain't got an answer for me, they, they were not going to get him if Caicedo deal went through. So mm -hmm. they didn't prioritise him. So he's going to go to the club that have always wanted him. Chelsea made a bid for Lavia last, last season. Summer, yeah, yeah. After, after he joined four Southampton. games in the Premier League. <laughs> I remember, yeah, yeah. They've <laughs> always wanted him. So yeah. I'm not really, so I don't really agree with you. I was going to say, that. before you oh. jump in too, I think people are forgetting this key thing about Liverpool as well. And it's you talk about Michael Edwards and the changing of guard. The amount of different people that they've had at, the, at the, the, the head of the snake has changed every single season. So you had Michael Edwards a few years ago. We know the brilliant work he did. He was replaced by Julian Ward, who only stayed there six months. And now it's been Klopp uh, with, with this. I can't remember his name. George, excuse George. Me. But the thing is, he's only here for this season too. And next year, it'll be a new person coming in as well. And this year has mostly been him and Klopp. So you have all of a sudden so many different cooks in the kitchen different recruitment styles, different views of, of what makes a player a player. And I think all of that has culminated in what has been a fiasco. Absolutely a fiasco. I, I agree with that. Yeah. One, one thing I would say, with the best teams in the world who've got the most money, mm. the scouting gets a lot easier. True. So, like, I, I get like, I get in terms of that recruitment, like, if you're trying to go and get, a, like, a sort of a, a real young gem, if you'd said to, if you'd asked us three... Who are the players that would be a good fit for these guys? Mm -hmm. Like within over the last nine months, we would have said those two players. Yeah. So as much as it's like you don't need some genius like to mm -hmm. do it. I remember mm -hmm. there was um, there used to be a, like a uh, a guy who was like secret football. I think he was called. And he, I remember him writing an article saying exactly that. Like it, it is a you know at a lower level, or if you're Brighton, you've got to be smarter. You've got to have scouts in different areas of the world to to mm -hmm. find those gems to do exactly what they're doing, which is amazing but for, when you have got a hundred odd mil to spend it's about the timing of it yeah. and the like the, coming back to, it's about the wooing of it mm -hmm, because yeah. so what the reason i agree with the t part of the tweet like the money is one thing what i would say is that in terms of liverpool always going to be a huge club mm -hmm, right of course and let me uh, be projects kind of tweak and change you you do as a young player go and play in an incredible stadium with an amazing fan base and a generally pretty great team mm -hmm. that actually is missing you yeah to to become a team that probably won't win the league but could have a you know puncher's chance right whereas at Chelsea we've also got Chukwemeka you've also got Conor Gallagher like, mm -hmm. I, I imagine these guys will make way mm -hmm. but I think what I would say is there's a slight the wooing has worked because. You can only fit in three people in the midfield. Mm -hmm. Caicedo, you know, Hernandez. Yeah. Like, these players are like, the pressure is kind of on him there. He's not guaranteed to play there. I said similar Whereas to at Liverpool, yeah. like, forget the money. But if you could get out of your own ego for a second, and actually it's not even really about Lavia. Lavia needs some kind of direction here. The long-term play in terms of your development, to even say you want to go and play for Real Madrid at one point in your career, Go to Liverpool where you are needed. But you're not just needed. You're you're going to play Champions League football. Fabinho's not there anymore. Europa, Europa, Europa League. Sorry, Europa League football. That's true. Sorry, I forgot, guys. That's better than no Europa. Liverpool right. No, sorry, it's Europa League. Yeah, yeah. But like, you're going to get all these minutes. Like, development is so important. Yeah. And the likes of Ruben Loftus-Cheek or Hudson Odoi, those players were held in the same regard and respect yeah. as these players that we are all calling. 
outrageous mm-hmm. ballers. And they are, mm-hmm. right? But things can change and you have to get the minutes yeah. and you have to have the time and you have to have oh, sometimes sometimes a lack of competition yeah. to allow you to to get through that first season where, wow, I was kind of a bit like out of my depth here, yeah. but, I, but I got through it and I'm better for it. Mm-hmm. There's a big thing when it comes to development and you see it in the championship all the time. Player comes through, they're exciting, they've got the adrenaline and first 10, 15 games, they're, they're great. And then they're kind of like, oh, okay, so this is my standard. And they have to deal with that. And so from 15 games to, to sort of 50 games, they're finding their feet, they're a bit off, they weren't mm. as good as they were. I bet you could all think of players that like, yeah. this has occurred with, right? 50 to 100, they, you know there's a player in there. Like Eze was like this. Yeah. You know there's a player there, but he's missing that finish or yeah. he could have played a pass there or he does he need to dribble one more time. But once you get to 100, 150 games, yeah. regardless of the level to a point, you've, you're, you're problem solving. Like it's for us, like the same for us guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I t- chat to you guys all the time, right? About you know how well you guys are doing and how brilliant you are at what you're doing. And the reason it is that that is the case is you're used to articulating your opinions mm-hmm. and you've got ten thousand hours. Yeah. And I know I, I I talk about this a lot, but like say like with these mainstream pundits and people thinking we're better than them, we are better than them because we've got ten thousand hours. Yeah, yeah. We've got we've got that time to kind of go. Okay, how do you want to shape an argument? Mm-hmm. And I think that has been missed here a little bit with the idea of like, well, to be fair, you wanted me all along. Mm. Caicedo is going in. He's going to play. He's unbelievable, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, but is he going to play? He might play as the six. Mm-hmm. So Lavi is not going to start. And Chukwameka is supposed to be one of the best players mm-hmm. in England. Uh, they spent well. 120 on Enzo as well. He's so, going to start. So yeah. there's a lot of... It's an exciting project. Mm-hmm. I get it. But mm-hmm. I, I think they've... I f- I fear that he's missed an opportunity. Yeah, and I, I, I hear you, know, to be honest. I, 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 I want to ask you a question, yeah, though. On, I want to ask you a question, though, on Liverpool. Is um, maybe part of the reason as well, too, their recruitment has kind of stalled and maybe even regressed in the last few seasons? Kind of, you, you look at what made Liverpool so successful in, let's call it, the first club team. A lot of that team is built off kind of going lower down the league and sniping players for 10, 15, maybe even 20 million. Look at Robertson, Vinaldum, Mane. Yeah. Van Dijk, obviously, to a larger extent. But you look at how the window is shaping up this year and how it's almost impossible now to buy any player for less than 50 million, no matter if they play in the championship, no matter whether they play for for Brighton. Is that hurting Liverpool now? Because the players that they wanted before now cost three to four to five times more. They managed to get McAllister for a cheap. Which was, which was yeah, a, a buyout clause, though, to yeah, be fair. Which is, yeah. yeah, and I think it does. Because when have Liverpool ever really been that type of club? Yeah. And go back to Liverpool's best days or... Maybe it wasn't necessarily okay. The best days obviously were under Klopp, but go back to the Gerrard days and stuff. Like, when were Liverpool ever that team that just outbid, took one of the best Never. players in the game, took one of the best young Maybe Fernando Torres in the, is the one the I game. can remember. Yeah. Who, who, who was trying to side him at the same time? Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, like, he's a fantastic player. Luis Suarez, fantastic player. Yeah. But I mean, at the time, they probably had a free run at them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, do Liverpool ever outbid or. Or um, pull the best young talent in the world that's going around in the game. Very no, rarely. Yeah, no. yeah. So Liverpool have never really been that type of club. So when people are saying stuff like Liverpool have no pool right now, obviously we're all running banter and stuff like Liverpool, Klopp, no pool. But for a gigantic football club, Liverpool have never really gotten bidding wars and tried to use this pool yeah. like how United have even Chelsea even Arsenal to a certain extent yeah, at that time yeah. and we can't even talk about Real Madrid and Barcelona there's yeah. a different level but mm. Liverpool have never really tried to get into that type of thing so it was kind of surprising to see them do this and to lose out no, it's, kind uh, of it's not good like it's that it feels like they're just a bit too sort of satiated mm. like they've they've sort of the, the what made them brilliant was that they were they were hungry they were so hungry, and you see that. You see that with Brighton. You see that with with Arsenal. Young, hungry players that are like desperate to achieve. And that's something I was thinking the other day. Was like, as much as you know, your failures make you. Mm-hmm. So Arsenal failing last year could be the wor- worst thing that happened to Man City. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. But again, if we say you look at Man City and how they win and win and win and win, they change and they change and they change and they keep it hungry. Yeah, hundred and. They might drop off like five percent. That's better than twenty percent. And that's that. When I'm looking at Liverpool here, that is my, that's my problem. 
but who's at fault? Who's at fault there? Is it the I think, board, it's, an, I think it's an institution it, problem from top to bottom. I think it's a problem because we do remember last summer they they were talking about all the Liverpool fans were like pretty much borderline protesting that they need midfielders. Yeah, and Klopp said, "I've got Ox, I've got Hendo, yeah. I got." Fabinho, I think he's, a, he's I got, had a huge problem. He, he yeah, said, yeah. Why, why, "Why? What do I need more?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Then midway yeah. through the season, he apologized and said, yeah. "Damn, you guys were right. The fans were right." Mm-hmm. And since then, they're trying to play catch-up. So I don't even think he can... ruthless streak. No, he definitely doesn't. He definitely doesn't. And I always say, staying at the top is harder than getting there in the first place. I always say that. And I think Klopp is definitely guilty throughout his career, not just at Liverpool. I think even at Dortmund, he had that streak in him that maybe he is a little too compassionate to the players, especially that have gotten him to this point. I think that's a a massive criticism point on on Jurgen Klopp, definitely. I guess your strengths are your weaknesses. That's why, you know, people want to go... Literally, yeah. will go to Liverpool because yeah, yeah. I'd like to have a Jurgen Klopp hug once a week. Yeah. So, like, I get it. <laughs> I chucked this to Kai, our producer, and he wasn't totally having it. And I think there's definitely other things here. But what I what I found interesting is, has Pep, who was a six, has he moulded? football so much that now like you say like Arsenal Jesus and Ketia mm. might not be that world class striker but you've got everything else kind of that mm. you need to, to have someone to tap it in at the end and it might be those are the fine margins that that mean Man City win it because they have a Haaland to punish mm-hmm. but the money that's being spent on sixes mm. is because they are they are so important now mm. is that how much is that down to you know, Saudi Arabian money. Mm. How much is it down to to that role and how crucial that role is? I, th- I think that role has been becoming so yeah. prominent in football. And, you know, you, you made a good example about Pep Guardiola. Maybe not, I don't know if it's because he was a six, but <laughs> in terms of like when, for example, when like Busquets came yeah, through, yeah. going from that time and even in the later years, um, maybe around 2012, there became this phenomenon and euphoria around Andrea Pirlo. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wow, this guy's I mean, running. Those guys are six. back now. Yeah. To, to a point, I mean, you've got to have that kind of hybrid nature yeah. to you, but if everyone's playing 3 2 5, mm-hmm. yeah, those two are crucial. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good. space yeah, you're yeah, covering. Yeah, yeah. So those players and those centre-backs are so important. Yeah, it's become a thing where that's now becoming the most important position in terms of if you haven't got that six, all of a sudden you're looking at it and it's like things are breaking down. Mm-hmm. You look at when Thomas Partey drops form, you're like, whoa. You know what I mean? When I heard that Arsenal fans were saying, oh, maybe he, it'll be okay for him to go. I was like, if he goes, that's the difference between the title challenge and top four I battle. Agree, yeah. So, and then you look at what Rodri's doing, you know, he's the only one that plays every single game. Year. Casemiro. So that point is so important because if you want to actually pass from the back, if you want to be a team that plays from the back, how do you go from the back to the front efficiently you need to go through the middle right yeah. so who's the one at the middle is <laughs> that six yeah. so if you're doing that then you're going to need your six to be a super important player in your so team important. but i mean it's just in a different style now now because we look at sixes to have quality but sixes have always been important you look at makaleli there's something called a makaleli role for mm-hmm. a reason yeah, yeah. he was the literal catalyst yeah. of jose Mourinho's yeah. great chelsea side Zidane will tell you real madrid they fell apart about him. exactly so a six has always been super important petite all these type mm-hmm. of players however because now they're the ones that get on the ball pass it side yeah, to side. Yeah, yeah. give it to me let me now all of a sudden that that's adding 30 40 million on your on your uh, price i, I think especially too now when you talk about this dual eights slash dual tens or whatever you're talking about every team wants to play with them mm-hmm. united we, we'll talk about them later of Mount and Bruno <laughs> you need your guy behind them man to be to be a boss Absolutely. 100% and then yeah. also when you talk about Chelsea which will lead us into Caicedo when you have a guy like Enzo last season who you spent so much money on and Enzo was fantastic no mm-hmm. doubt about it but there is always that feeling is there more to him if you put somebody next to him who can kind of uh, take care of that more athletic side of the game now yeah. you can see more of Enzo's attributes kind of shine through so this Caicedo deal is hopefully I'll, what they get from that I also think the importance of eights being super quality is going a little bit I think mm. in the past what do you mean by I, quality so you look at like in, in, in a little bit in the past Javis and Iniesta's yeah, yeah. And, and Paul Scholes and Lampard and Jose, a lot of these players that will get on the ball and make the Fabregas a lot of these players where a lot of times your eights were the one that running games when I used to watch football the eight is okay, running Modric and Cruz for the last 10 years exactly yeah, yeah. you've got Fabregas next to Gilberto or you Gilberto, you do what you need to do, but Fabregas is going to run the game. And you're looking at that now where I think the eights are now hybrid, all action, get up and down. So who's the brain in your team? It's your six now, you know, like 
Kante, people seem to put him in the six box, but he yeah. was a proper eight box to box influential player. But he still needed an Amanya Matic, Matic next to him or drink water, getting the ball deeper. So you look at it now, the brain of the team is the six, whereas in the past, the, br the brain was the eight and the six was the destroyer, really. Mm -hmm. So now they, they've taken that kind of experience that role of the eight now. Do you know way, what yeah? I, I think it's I think it's evolved even past that now where you have to in a game your role is to play two positions. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it is like, that's facts. I've got a video coming out uh today about Arsenal and how they set up. And when I saw the team, first I was screaming because Gabriel wasn't playing, he was in my field. Same mate, <laughs> come on. <laughs> but then I was like, oh my God, it makes complete sense what they're kind of trying to do here. But then the and we talk about those like those rotations like Havertz, Havertz is playing three positions. He's mm. playing eight. He's playing as a striker. If Nketiah wants to drop back, he's going to go out wide. If Martinelli needs a bit of space, Declan Rice is playing as like a deep line playmaker, as a, a six, as an eight. Like everyone's playing two positions mm -hmm. minimum. Mm -hmm. yeah. So bringing it back to Liverpool and why the the Caicedo thing for me when because we I was doing this twenty four hour challenge thing and and it dropped and I, I I'd lost all sort of sense of time but there was a moment where I was like it's half free and everyone's on Twitter like what's what's going on but when you then put Caicedo in that team it makes perfect sense. oh my word yeah oh my word you talk about that little space spooky. Trent leaves behind that's oh, Caicedo to a team man. yeah yeah it made so, sense so to not have him and I spoke about this yesterday and there's a couple of screens there's a chance that Chelsea have where. Because I played, I played that sort of six role, and, and my thing was the sort of read, read the problems, put the fires out, right? Mm. And that's something I think is getting a little bit forgotten with this role as well, actually, mm -hmm. which is crucial. And why McAllister, okay, against you know the lesser teams in the league, you can play him as a six, and you'll be fine, you get away with it. But against a, a Chelsea, there's a moment there where he's tracking back. And he should be 10, 10 yards further yeah. forward. Yeah. He should have already sort of shouted at Saboslai to go and get Enzo so that everyone's fine. His body shape then, when he gets there, is too late. So it allows Enzo to get the ball and he plays that ball. Right. It's about seeing it really. That's what Casemiro's phenomenal at. Mm -hmm. And you can't, if you don't really get football, then you, don't really, you won't really get that. So my concern is that, and the question to you guys is, they're going to get held to ransom here, hmm. but they need someone, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have to go they and buy to. someone. I, for me, I, I looked at Paina. I, I know now, well, was it Fulham? Or, I think they already quoted West Ham ninety million, and obviously oh. that that's ridiculous, right? Like I get prices are crazy, but twenty eight year old Paina for ninety million after after they signed him for what five million a year ago, or some some crazy amount. That's ridiculous. I was really worried they were going to get too many, and hmm. I'll put everything on the line here. Too many for me would have been the best holding midfielder to go on the market this summer. Better than Rice, better than, than Caicedo, better than Levia. That would have been a concern. At this point, though, the problem is, like you said, everyone knows they have money. So whoever they go to, today's price is not yesterday's price, yeah. or whatever the expression <laughs> is. They're kind of in a, they're kind of in a, a problem right now. Yeah. They're in the United position. Yeah. United, yeah. We have been in this position for the last 10 years where everyone knows May United will overpay. We call it the United tax. Mm -hmm. We get bids rejected yeah. and we have to overpay. It happens all the time. We, we always go into into business in the point of desperation everyone talks about oh why are man city so good at doing business because they're winning mm -hmm. city will simply say to another team oh well we'll walk away yeah. and we've seen them do that they'll walk away from van dyke mm -hmm. they'll walk away from Maguire. they'll walk away from fred they'll walk away from declan rice but because they are in a position of winning whereas united and now liverpool you, you're going there on your knees like please yeah. like come on and they're like oh let me see your six. Oh, you ain't got a six. All right, extra 30 million. Do you know what I mean? So that's the position they're in. But honestly, I just think, we, as we were talking about earlier, we were praising Liverpool's scouting network and stuff. I actually think Liverpool just got to go back to that. Yes, okay, you, you didn't get it with Lavia. You didn't get it with Casado. But listen, there's definitely some holding mids out there in Liga on. Mm. There's the Brazilian market. Andre, Andre is who they're talking about right Yeah. The Florentino Bra Luiz at, at the, Benfica. There we go. The mm. Brazilian market, there's always good midfielders in the Brazilian. Like, so they're going to have to just broaden their horizons because this prem-to-prem shopping is, mm -mm. is becoming... Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It's impossible now. Honestly, now. it's impossible. You have to be to be smart and look at the other leagues. I think Saudi as well has kind of hurt that. But you have to be looking now at Syria. You have to be now looking at, yeah. at Liga. That's there's mad talent there, bro. Yeah. The Portuguese league. I, I've said it for the last five years now. That's where the talent is, bro. Yeah. Every single club: Porto, Benfica, mm -hmm. Lisbon, even Braga. Top players there, bro. The thing is, it's important though. Like it seems all doom and gloom for Liverpool at the moment, but. 
it's important that listen, you don't you, you don't win the league in the transfer window. It's yeah. not always the case. You know, a lot of people are saying, Oh, Chelsea have won the window, Aston Villa have won the window. Mm. I remember when people used to say, Ed Woodward season, Woody season, we've won the window, and we go and drop the stink the biggest stinker. So yeah, yeah. it's important that they don't just think all of a sudden because they haven't got a lavy, their squad is awful and they can't do anything. They still have some world-class players in the squad. Salah is an elite player. Nice. Trent, for me, is world-class. Allison is elite. Yeah. You know, okay, Van Dijk, he's looking a he's bit, you know what I mean? But nice. he's still looking a bit, he's looking a bit shaky. But at the same time, these guys are still either world-class or top-class. I will say, though, level, uh, so on the other hand, panic. though, I think Liverpool fans, though, may need to look at the season in new eyes. Because I think a lot of people were looking at Liverpool and saying, oh, we've yeah, seen back. them have a bad year before and they just bounce back. And why can't Liverpool be where Arsenal are in Contestive City? I think... You need to look at Liverpool with new with new lenses now and kind of look at where they are in their process. They are not one or two players away, in my opinion, from challenging for the league. Yeah, I, I think agree. this is going to be a process that they have to actually buy into. Yeah, I think the Pellini one. I, I mean, it might be one where you kind of go, right, guys, should we learn from this? We're gonna mm. buy, we're gonna have to spend this money yeah. once just to have that guy. He'd be terrific for them. He would be. That's why. And and I think also in terms of that sort of physicality and a bit of size in that mm. team as well, I think he'd be really really useful. Mm. So if Liverpool then have a poor season, finishing outside the Champions League again, will Klopp leave out frustration and take the Real Madrid job? Ancelotti <laughs> leaving in 2024. Mm. He'll then bring Salah across it with him because he's got frustrated as well. <laughs> Who knows? Um. We've got to talk about the Chelsea sort of spending of that money because it kind of ties into everything here. So let me just break this down for people who are sort of, and I, even myself before I'd done a bit of reading on it, I was like, how, how are they, more? Like more money? <laughs> <laughs> what does it end? <laughs> so how are Chelsea able to spend all this money? So Chelsea have spent 207 million this summer so far, but they're still in accordance with FFP. Yep, that's true. Because of a loophole. So they've spent 800 million under Bowley. But this is being spread over eight years. I'm sure you guys have heard this, but let me me get into the weeds of it. Eight years due to the contracts of the players being eight-year deals. But he's now having to change that because the powers that be don't like this eight-year idea. Um, So it's now been made to five years is the max for a contract, which... Is that actually the case? Because we're surely we're just seeing Kaiseido sign a yeah, seven-year yeah, deal yeah. with a one-year it's option. Like, now that you've got all your players in, now it's going to be five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe that's kind of from now on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this season's spend will be around three hundred million, which means it's spread over five years. So the big thing is when you buy a player and you make it an eight-year deal, you can put it into those different yeah, yeah. sort of um, buckets. So it means that it costs them sixty million a season of that three hundred, but. Chelsea have also sold £250 million worth of players this season, which all goes into this year's balance sheet. So this is how they've made a profit on Kai Havertz, because they sold him for £60 million after buying him for the same amount. But because he didn't get to the end of his contract, when it comes to the accounts, they've actually still got £25 million left to pay, and they've got a £35 million profit. So... This is because the money they spent on Havertz is spread over those few years. So meanwhile, they've received a transfer fee up front for him for Arsenal, which they put in their accounts. Chelsea have also sold Mount for £60 million, which goes down as pure profit due to being an academy graduate. Loftus-Cheek, similar thing. So this means that Chelsea have booked around £200 million in terms of gains over the last three transfer windows, nearly there. And due to the fees uh, they're paying being spread over those years, it means that they're actually only spending £135 million a year. So they actually still have (laughs) 65 mil to spend if they would want to. The thing with all of this, and again, in terms of things aging well, aging badly, today, I think we're looking at the Chelsea situation with quite kind eyes. Mm. Because the, the, the thing that's makes more sense when you buy when you spend that amount of money is to actually go and get another one with Lavia because what it does is when they are such young assets the big thing that matters here is that okay that money's being spent and spent and spent and at some point they're gonna have to chill yeah mm-hmm. they're also at, at some point will have to sell on these guys mm-hmm. now that makes sense initially and you've got all the ingredients that you want you've got exciting potential you've got young players You've got them on a long contract, so you're not sort of, you know, that smell of desperation Mm. that we've been chatting about isn't there, right? But to come back to something that you said here, the problem that I have with all of this is who are you selling to? And how much are you going to get for for him, right? Because today, as we, you know, as we talk about football and the money that's in it, the money is in the Premier League 
and it is in the Saudi League. Mm-hmm. Now, Saudi might bail teams out time and again. And that let's remember that's what's kind of occurred here with yeah, Chelsea yeah, as well. Yeah. We haven't sort of spoken about those guys. But in a couple of years' time, again, it's going to be those two options. And we will what will occur is that these che- this you know, Chelsea will have that smell of desperation to a mm-hmm. point because they can't sell to Serie A or Liga because yeah, yeah. they haven't got the money yeah. to do it or to get the 60 million back that you would want. Mm-hmm. So the only people that can buy them back are either a direct competitor mm-hmm. or you hope that the Premier League still are washed with so much money that you're selling to West Ham, you're selling mm-hmm. to the, the, you know, the other guys. So it's still precarious, isn't it? Listen, it's um, it's a headache. It's <laughs> you're a, okay, yeah. Sorry. It's a, it's a, it's actually, do you know what? you're listening to the ripple effect. Well, let's have a little break. We'll be back and after this. I mean, okay, yeah, honestly, like <laughs> listening to the Chelsea figures is like. It's it's still mind-boggling. I know there's breakdowns and there's ways that they can come out of it looking pretty, but it's obs- it's absurd money. It's it's absolutely crazy what's going on at the moment. Like within a year, that much money spent. Now look, I do think they're bringing in good players. By the way, I think their squad is sure. very very talented. And if Poch can get them to gel quickly, he's going to have one game a week. He's going to have them on the training ground all the time. Mm. If he can get them to 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 gel quickly. Chelsea might be they the surprise package of the yeah, season. Yeah. I, I, listen, because you look at them. Look, I, I watched Man United versus Chelsea at Old Trafford last season. No, yeah, we smoked them. Yeah. But they definitely had us concerned a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was looking at them. I was like, I'm not going to lie. They've got a few players yeah. that will play for my team here. Yeah. And then they've made all these other signings now. So mm. Chelsea, if they get it right, you know, they can do something this season. But so I'll, I'll, I'll give them... I give them that credit, but the money that they're spending is just—I I just think it's—it's it's just not right. I just man. look it's, at it's, how it's, much it's crazy. I just crazy. look at how much money they've spent, and I look at their team. And down the line, I think the potential is there because they're—they're spending twenty. All their players are twenty four right? Yeah, you know, it has to <laughs> be. Otherwise, yo, someone's out of business, hundred yeah. percent. But I, I look at what their team is today, and someone asked me, "What's oh Chelsea? Should they have to challenge now?" And I look at their team; they should make top four. Like mm-hmm. that should be absolutely the bare minimum. But I don't look at a team. That's anywhere near challenging for the league. Mm. And when you spend eight hundred million, possibly more, because the window isn't done, they still want to buy Olise. You would think that you have a side that is maybe one or two players away mm. from challenging for the league. I don't look at this team whatsoever. Because Someone sent me a, a a dream eleven of what they have. Yeah. Because I, I was kind of questioning where does Lavia fit into this. And mm. Look at this team, and they got Ben Chilwell playing at left mm. wing back. The midfield is Enzo is the furthest forward mm. midfielder. Uh, Nico Jackson, Mudrik, and mm. I, it's a lot of uncertainty. And it's not a team that I look anywhere close mm. to Arsenal. To Manchester right. City. But can I ask you a question though? Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So last season though, when you looked at Arsenal's team, yeah. would you have thought that's a team that can go and win the Premier League? And even true, when true. they were looking at winning the league, well, they were about to win the league, they're still looking at their side like, I can't believe this team's about to win the Premier League yeah, over, over a Man City. And through the course of the season, your perception of things change all the time. One game. As, yeah, it's Villa, the truth. Villa have finished. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. When, you, when I saw Saliba going there, I've, I rated Saliba massively from what he was doing in France. Mm. But I didn't think within a season I'd be saying, whoa, this guy might be the best centre-half in the Premier League. In, like, in our Prem Guide last yeah. year, we said that he will start. Mm-hmm. And we got hammered yeah, absolutely I mean. hammered for it and you're right like and very quickly football changes change. quickly yeah, yeah. yeah. honestly also, like so yeah. i think the thing sorry Cam, the mm-hmm. thing to remember here is sometimes it's not about this season mm-hmm. no definitely yeah. do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. i think this strategy it's obviously not yeah, about this, this season coming back to like the, the the idea of making it sustainable maybe the next layer of the strategy is if you've got the two best youngsters generally in every position you let them battle it out, mm. age a little bit, mm-hmm. and then ripen, and then yeah. uh, and then you sell off the one Survival that's of the good. Yeah. Yeah. You sell yeah. off the one that's good. But again, I keep coming back to like, who's gonna? Will it be? Will be? Will we be in a position here where 
there's still enough money and mm. people aren't bothered enough that, you know, Arsenal do buy Chelsea players or you know, I, Arsenal I, do buy Man City players. Yeah. So. I, I think so. And Maybe look, we, we have to give Chelsea the credit of they are, in my opinion, the best sellers in the oh, world. By far, Chelsea yeah. just know how to sell players. Like, David Luiz, where, where can I find you? Oh, yeah, you go off 40 million matter. Mm. Oh, where can I find you? You go off to no, United. Sure. They and always, the youth, the youth project as the, well. And, and the, the youth. The, so the, the thing about it is that what, what we need to uh, like focus on is that they are signing talented players mm-hmm. Marlo Augusto he's top he's he starts for half cl- the teams in the league this yeah. is, he's a class player so yeah. Chelsea don't have an issue where if I'm telling you if they need to sell him they will find a way to sell him the only problem for me with this whole Chelsea thing is as much as you're buying young talents when I when when a club sign young talent Real Madrid sign a young talent Barcelona Man United whoever they surround them with experience. you surround them with experience you know what I mean you have maybe three young players and the rest of them are experienced mm-hmm. guys who can get them through this Chelsea situation everyone is young Reese James yeah. he's had one great season from there he's struggled to find his feet a little bit injuries and stuff he's the captain of the club mm-hmm. you know what I mean then next to it is Ben Chilwell who yes Ben Chilwell is middle middle age for a footballer but I wouldn't say he's got the most vast experience nah, nah. he's not some he's not some 40 cap 50 cap into England international he doesn't start for his country and stuff so you look at it, apart from Thiago Silva and maybe you could say Raheem Sterling but Raheem Sterling doesn't really give me the vibe of like he seems like a a, a guy that you can come to and talk middle, to but he's yeah. not going to drag you around yeah, yeah. and stuff so the team is very young I've never seen such a young side have to be able to like if you guys don't get it right together yeah, then it's, it's and, they're gonna, and they're going to hit you know walls I mean? throughout the season, and th- like you kind of alluded to, that's where you need your more mm-hmm. experienced heads to kind of rise from those situations. And like we we're talking about previously, drag the team a little bit mm-hmm. through the tough patches. If Chelsea hit a wall, who's that guy? And that's mm-hmm. the same thing that happened with Arsenal. I mean, Arteta designed yeah, this team yeah, yeah. to be the youngest in the Premier and League. That's for me where and... the issue of uh, systems and where it comes down mm-hmm. so much is system oriented. When the system fails, that's where you need players, like you always say, to rise. You rise up, Arsenal yeah. didn't have enough of those players. I look at this Chelsea team, do they? It's all about, they look to their manager. There was yeah. a great conversation with, uh, I think it was Brendan Rodgers said it. Um, and he basically said in this era now, compared to when he used to play or when he used to met or coach, I don't even know if he used to play to be fair, or when he used to coach um, at Chelsea and he was yeah. around, He's a player, as as I mentioned earlier, players solve issues, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now he literally he said, literally, I'm on the pitch. It could, we could be going through a bit of turbulence through the game. The players are looking at him, looking yeah. at him on the bench, wow. yeah. looking at him like, and he's having to be like, no, do this, do that. Like he's having to coach them through. So we look at like Arsenal's collapse. I'm sure there were situations where that could have happened. Remember when um, David de Gea made that mistake against West Ham? Rashford just looks at Ten Hag like. <laughs> Like, help me, please. What's next? Yeah, what's, what are we going to do next? And so, yeah. like, problem solving on the pitch is gone. So, yeah. Chelsea are going to face turbulence. Mm-hmm. And who's going to solve the problem? That's the thing. But, but say, say, <laughs> they, say they have... Yeah, again, you're planting these seeds. You know, this year they finish sixth. Next year they finish third. Mm-hmm. The two seasons after that, they... Or oh, three seasons after... Four seasons with the yeah. age of this group. You have a title-challenging team. Mm-hmm. That's actually quite smart business. But do you you know when you know when you hear about um, this is going to be the thing for the next ten years? How often does that actually happen? No, nah, it doesn't. That's I what, feel like. Play, do you mean player or system? Um, or what? F- um, players like right. duos, and yeah, I think yeah. I think that needs to be entered into the football cliche book <laughs> because <laughs> oh yeah, Enzo and Caicedo is the pivot for the next ten years. <laughs> that's our pivot for the next ten years. This left back done. Now. Yeah, this left yeah. back. He's England's in, um, yeah, yeah, um, left true. back for the next ten years. Did I'm like this ten years thing. Like players come and go so quickly. What like, was so, it with United? It was Pogba, Marcia, and Rashford. United have their, their three for the next, for the next ten, 10 years. years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, it ended up did happening with Luke Shaw. But yeah. how much times did we try and replace him? Ch- exactly. <laughs> but when he came, United's left back. Yeah, the next ten true. years, United are set forever. Yeah, you know, we tried to sign right. like four left backs the in that pie, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when people say this, like, uh, I feel like the only time I've seen actually something for like the next ten years is like Mudrick and Cruz. Okay, yeah, yeah, they assembled them. They ran off for the next ten years and did but their even thing. Then, but like you got like four more years than you probably would have ex- three more years than you probably would have expected when you when mm-hmm, you buy them. Mm-hmm. You don't go. They'll be 36, 37 and be absolutely yeah, still yeah, winning yeah, championships. Don't worry about that. Ex- yeah. exactly. that doesn't. You're you're right. Exactly. And it's but the same thing now with Real Madrid. Now there is a, you know there is that ma- like that macro thinking is kind of there and they are utilizing uh, loopholes. Let's see. Like it just it does, yeah. I just, it's the money they're getting back. But I did quickly look at the transfers that they kind of come in, and you know Nicholas Jackson thirty seven. That's mil. smart business right there. Huh? 
Yeah, Very it's decent, sport. to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and even the guys, I guess you're spending the guys that you're spending a hundred on, they will, they are good enough. They will be there for five years. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, you're you're kind of okay. And whereas, so if you do get your thirty mil for these guys, those youngsters, even if they don't, aren't up mm-hmm. to it, you're kind of just about breaking even. Mm-hmm. Even so. Yeah, maybe there is has been a bit of method in the madness. Yeah, uh, I did an episode on that last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I said there's method to this. It madness. has to be, has man. To I mean, be. the one thing it's I'll method. say is, it, I prefer to Abramovich's method, which I think was just at some point was getting ridiculous, bro. Just yeah. throw throw all the money on the table. Yeah. If it doesn't work year one, the manager's gone. You yeah. striker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fact that people are trying to find loopholes and we're aware of them, mm-hmm. I quite like, I'm okay with that. Like, it, it's at least you're. At least there are rules that are affecting your mm-hmm. behavior. Like, um, it's still like outrageous amounts of money, but at least it's something. Um, speaking of which, Neymar to Al Halal <sighs> means Mbappe gets exactly what he wants, people. <laughs> Neymar to Al Halal will reportedly earn PSG around 100 mil. Have you picked a team, have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, hello, baby. Y- y'all, got, y'all got any room over there? <laughs> <laughs> you stay on that side with Mares and them, man, there, we, bro. We, we did this episode where we all picked our own Saudi <laughs> team. You picked you. Al-Hilal. I picked Al-Ali because Mares is over there now, but this guy's got Neymar no, now, man. Neymar. I'm, tr- I'm trying to join the Ney party <laughs> over there, bro. <laughs> we got Mitrovic coming. We got Verratti coming. Hey, hey. But, hey our front three is okay, huh? San Maxima, nah. Firmino, Mares. Hey, that's top four team. <laughs> that's a top four attack in the Prem, bro. Hey, we're going to have Neymar. We're going to have Malcolm. We're gonna have, yeah. and we're gonna put that with Mitchell. Yeah, that's a problem. We, 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 we yeah. run this going over my head, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this means that the financial issues of Mbappe leaving for free aren't as serious as first claimed by mm-hmm. PSG. Um, although like, Mbappe obviously getting reintegr- reintegrated. I mean, we've is there never a more seen, toxic relationship. We've never seen a dictator yeah. like Mbappe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this guy got Neymar out of there, bro. <laughs> It's, it's it's just crazy. wild, isn't it? So uh, he's been reintegrated. Uh, he also said that he doesn't have any. This is hilarious. He doesn't have any intention to leave for free, but we'll believe it when we see it. Absolutely. Mbappe has also got a production team following around this season, so his U-turn and redemption arc could all be a part of the documentary story arc. He also owns 100% of that production company. Fascinating, isn't it? Wow. So you want to make sure you get that. I mean, be careful with those documentaries, man. Uh, who was it? Ramos? Was it Ramos? Was like he, there was a documentary on him, and then. They took on someone, and I think he was good. You know, there was a link that him, he was going to go to PSG, and he wasn't even playing in the Real Madrid PSG game, and he's st- stuck in the stands. Neymar, similar things <laughs> happened. Uh, just quickly wanted to get your thoughts on Neymar and his career. Where, like, where do you guys sit on Neymar? <laughs> on different sides of the spectrum with this one. <laughs> you I mean, sit on one side. I sit on the, the Neymar other. lover. I mean, I love Neymar. Nah, I don't no, do no, that. hold on. But there's gonna be a butt. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is my thing. Like, so wait, I'll let you go. If I'm gonna pull up my tweet, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. pull up my tweet. That <laughs> right, right, yeah. I, yeah. I love Neymar, man. Honestly, for my, I've always said this is the most disrespected, un- underappreciated superstar, not just in football, for me in sports, because I look at the talent that this guy has. When we talk about all-time talent, I think he sits not at the Messi level because that's alien level, but probably a, a tier below. I think his talent is his natural talent is that great. And it's just a shame that for me, there's been key moments in his career where the output or what he's gotten out of it hasn't matched up to the talent. But when you talk about like I always look at what makes me a football fan outside of just supporting United, a football fan, he epitomizes everything that I want to see from the game. He gives me entertainment. He gives me joy. He plays off the cuff. He gives you moments of madness that make you think, wow, how the hell did he do that? And not many players, like we talk about in the system-oriented game, can give you those moments of in- ingenuity, of, of imagination. For me, it's just a shame that sometimes people choose to look more at the theatrics and the, the outside-of-the-pitch situations. But then when I see a situation like this, where a 31 years old, a player that I've just described as an all-time great talent, is going to Saudi Arabia... That, for me, kind of leaves me in a situation thinking, well, bro, I've defended you my whole life. Yeah. You've just kind of flipped me off at at the same time. I I just think, like, everything Leah said about about Neymar, I fully agree. That's the type of player that I like. I've always said, for me, like, he's probably a top 10 pure talent that I've seen play football, right? Amazing. Unbelievable. I'm thinking about Messi. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll we can do, do that, that another That'll day. Be a good yeah, one. You know what I mean, most talent, ten, yeah, most talent yeah, players. I think he's up there. Yeah. I think his natural talent is unbelievable. unbelievable, and he was a he was a generational talent. He was unbelievable. Don't and get me started on generation. Yeah, I can't handle that word. But with Neymar now, I I look at it and I'm like. I'm a bit underwhelmed. Yes, you can tell me he scored 600 goals or whatever it is, and he's won the Champions League. He's won a treble with Barcelona and stuff. But there was a point for me where I was like, look, 
he might knock on that Ronaldo and Messi door. And listen, these two are two of the greatest to ever play the game. So being held to that standard is difficult. I, I fully understand that. But I look at some of his career decisions, right? His Some of his career moves. For me, I'll always say this. Neymar going to PSG was the worst transfer I've seen in my life for a superstar. 100%. For everyone. For, for, I've, for, for the I've, world of football, I've, for him. That was a bad... For me, that was a bad move and a terrible move for the game anyway. Neymar at Barcelona, he was reaching the heights. He was playing alongside Messi. They were kind of going band for band at one point. Do you know what I mean? And Neymar was delivering. And for him to go PSG to what win a couple of league owns and then it started becoming a lot of injuries That's a lot of injuries one. and people say some people say well if you watch Neymar closely he was playing better at PSG than he was at Barcelona I mean what do you expect he's Neymar playing for PSG in league owns like this is it's, it's it's light work for him it's easy so when I look at a player that good I just wanted to expect more I don't want to be having conversations where people can even utter names like Mo Salah next to him where Kevin De Bruyne are and these type of names he should be way well and above but when you talk about Neymar there's always a but now he's at in Saudi at 31 Brazil they won without him when he's there they can't win with him he, he hasn't won a Copa America he has for me look people are going to say it's not all about trophies I appreciate the footballer unbelievable that's why I'd always have him ahead of Hazards and Ribéries and certain guys but I think he could have got a lot more out of his talent because we are talking about one of the greatest to ever play in talk about, in terms of ability. I agree. I think, look, the question I was going to kind of pop to you was like, is talent enough? And I think in certain situations, it's not. Like, you know, you, you have to provide leadership. You have to provide endeavour. And I think that's the thing that I struggle with him. Like, of course, there's, of course he's got talent. Mm. Of course he has. And like, sometimes... He, sure, he he's had enough out of his career that it, it wasn't say like an Adele Tarrat where it was so tragic yeah, that you can kind of just love him. I was for that seeing people moment. say he's a failed wonder kid yesterday. That was ridiculous. that was crazy. That was ridiculous. They're after Neymar. They're saying Neymar is a failed wonder kid. I right. couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, that's but crazy. I think with Neymar, yeah, I, I think that's the thing. I kind of for me and what I want in a player. So I've got like a series on my channel called Dream Teams, and what you see with people's teams is what they need in a player. And he's nowhere near like mm, anywhere. Mm. He would be nowhere near a, a team that I would want uh, a player. I would want because though like leadership is, that is important. And if, and that can be done in several different ways. And, and actually these days it is about the sort of general output on the pitch and, and getting on the ball. And, and again, we're coming back to that thread of that, that in, individualism, but bravery, right. To get on the ball and help change exactly. the game. Yeah. And, and, that alongside the idea that football, you know, with the Saudi Arabia money, there's an element here where we're sort of drifting towards a bit like boxing where people aren't kind of taking the best fights. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. he kind of did that. He was the first to do that, really, with the PSG move, right? Mm -hmm. Because he kind of, he knew what he was doing. Like, and he was like, oh, okay, maybe if we've got enough money and we'll get everyone, mm. then we'll we'll be, you know, again, one plus one equals two and we'll win the Champions League. And it doesn't work like and, that. And what I hated about it is that um, a lot of people were saying... And it's a narrative that he has denied and people have kind of, because, you know, in football, we love stories, right? You know, the narrative, we've got the ripple effects. we got, we know, we got, we're in the market. We're the we got an archive over here. <laughs> we've got we, the fallout. We've got, we, we love stories, right? So yeah. I think people built this story in their mind that Neymar left Barcelona because he wants to get out of Messi's shadow. He wants that Ballon d'Or. He wants it to be his team. Nobody wants to talk about that PSG paid 200 million for him to pop mm. his release clause, gave his father 40 million to his directly to his company, made him the highest paid player in the world. No, it's for me, it was a money move, and it was like, okay, maybe I can go and win a Champions League over there. You know, they're still a good team with ambitions, they're going to bring Mbappe, etc. Cool, I'll go and do my thing over there. But this narrative that people are painted to kind of protect Neymar that it's because he wanted to get out of Messi's shadow and all this type of stuff is crazy. And to make it even funnier, Messi came to PSG and won a Ballon d'Or with him at PSG. <laughs> it's not a good look. It's not <laughs> oh, a good look. Right, Neymar right, right. has taken some serious L's, yeah, man. Like, true. Oh, but man. This is what I always say about Neymar too. And me and Cam have this discussion a lot. We talk about football and you were saying it the other day about Ronaldo. Like, Ronaldo had that chance in the final that he buried away, but he said if that was Patrick Bamford, that ball doesn't bounce the same way and doesn't fall to Ronaldo. And I kind of I I, I view football the same way. Obviously, I don't believe that like it's scripted or whatever. Mm. But there are players that like 
football is written in a way that the protagonists, it always falls to them and they right. always come out on top. <laughs> Messi, Ronaldo, I even believe Mbappe now is kind of following Haaland, of course, not too. Neymar is almost like the, the ugly stepsister, like the bridesmaid, forever the bridesmaid, never the bride. And then, mm-hmm. like I said, in every single point in his career where there's a big decision to be made or there's a big moment, it almost always seems that the ball always falls to Messi instead mm-hmm. right. or it falls to Lewandowski mm-hmm. instead or it falls to yeah, Benzema yeah. instead. No, I'm thinking of the Champions League oh, final yeah, yeah. Where, where they lost. It mm-hmm. never falls for him. Yeah. And it's it, that's why, for me, it breaks my heart. Cause it, I just think the talent suggests it should fall to him. Yeah, the injuries as well, isn't it? It's the, killed him. The injuries. Sure. The but, you know, the, what, the, it always around February. That's a harsh one. No, you're right. Not even only that. Valentine's Day Carnival, don't we all? If you want positive Neymar spin, we did a podcast on La Remontade Tarda, which is a wow. really, really good Brilliant. podcast, and the ripple effects of it, because actually that game, the ripple effects of that are outrageous. So go mm-hmm. check that out. I knew it'd be good, guys. I knew it'd be good. <laughs> right. And the great thing is, people, we have another podcast that we're about to do, which will be building or discussing an 11 of the most impactful Man United players. And actually, there's one player that's not a Man United player in that 11 yeah, that was well. crazy we're going to chuck up some <laughs> options as well and just talk about Man United with two Man United fans so if you are a Man United fan make sure you check it out there's a little twist in there as well if you're not a Man United fan so you can come and have a laugh as well um, if you are new to the podcast make sure you uh, follow the podcast make sure you check out the boys where can they find you Cam? Culture Cams on all social media platforms pretty simple Culture Cams Lias Lias Buzidi 10 it might be hard to, uh, to, to spell L-Y-E-S-B-O-U-Z-I-D-I. Excuse me, I forgot where I am for a second. And then 10, just on all platforms. Okay, we will put links in the description. If you like my content, you will like their content. They love the game. And uh, we've got another podcast to do, so uh, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll, you'll hear from us in just a second.